Hey, hey, what's up, Senders? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 46 with my special guest, Ryan from Ryan's Rattlesnake Rescue. That's right. This is an episode all on the poison noodle. It was crazy. Actually had a poison noodle follow me home from the trails and ended up in my backyard. It was a Southern Pacific with two, which I learned later, two venoms in there, a hemotoxin and a neurotoxin. Definitely not the kind that you want around the house with a toddler, a younger child, and a dog running around. Um, But that led me to Ryan, and Ryan was able to jump on the podcast to help teach us all about these amazing, scary sticks. (laughs) And I teased. But I had a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. This is all about education around the poison noodle, why they're so important to us on the trails, and kind of a glimpse into what the poison noodles think about us. Turns out they don't want anything to do with us humans, which is a great thing. But before we jump into the podcast, gotta say a special thank you to the sponsors and to the supporters of the show. First up, thank you so much to YT Industries live uncaged with yt if you see me on the trails you'll see me on the yt core 4 jeff c i love that analog bike i recently put the yt core 4 jeff c up against the decoy uncaged mtb and i both took our jeff c's uncaged mtb has the blaze and we rode 60 minutes on the jeff c's parked them, let our heart rates come down, and then took the decoys out the very same day and uh, rode those for 60 minutes. Compared trail, miles, elevation, calorie burn, and effort in the 60 minutes, and you may be surprised on the results of that small study. If you want to check it out, it's on the YouTube channel for the segment. I think you'll be interested in what you see. Also, a special thank you to Kapu Coffee. Kapu Coffee seize your moment live in the moment and get that moment with kapu coffee they have the cold brew coffee you can actually order the self-made cold brew coffee you simply pour water into it put it in the refrigerator for about eight hours and you then have delicious kapu coffee the next day highly recommend it especially after those hot days when you're out on the trail to break open some coffee from kapu coffee and have it after the ride is is amazing if you want to order some kapu coffee you can find them on instagram and uh, give eric an order there through a dm and he'll be able to help you out also special thank you to tasco mtb tasco if you're looking for mountain bike shorts shirts hats water bottles whatever you need Tasco MTB has all the different types of accessories. And if you're shopping, why pay full price when you can get 15% off? Simply by clicking on the link here, you qualify for 15% off. Just take that promo code and copy it, place it in the discount box upon checkout and receive 15% off. And that code is reusable. So you can share it with friends. You can use it as many times as you like. Also, special thank you to Spy Optic. Spy Optic, keeping my eyes nice and cool and safe in my lifestyle, as well as Spy Optic, keeping me safe on the trails with my foundation goggles. All of Spy's lenses have the Happy technology in it. And if you guys haven't heard of this before, take a look at the Happy Tech. It is awesome stuff. Definitely blocks out the bad blue wave light, lets in the good blue wave light, therefore increasing serotonin and alertness, which we all can use a little extra pep in our step. Why not? All right, folks, without further ado, thank you again to the supporters of the show, and let's get into this podcast, episode 46 with Ryan.
Hey, hey, we are live. Joey, what's happening, buddy? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Oh, man, this one's going to be a good one. Episode 46. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the segment podcast and uh, the live stream. If you're tuning in live through YouTube, welcome aboard. If you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you download the podcasts, we've got a great one for you tonight. (laughs) It's definitely one of those ones where... I think we need to be a little more aware of these things we call poison sticks or poison noodles or (laughs) what else do we call them over out there, Joey? Scary sticks, danger noodles. (laughs) Scary sticks, danger noodles. Now we've all come across them out on the trails and or we hope that if we do come across them, we'll know what to do. And uh, our guest tonight is name his name is Ryan, and Ryan has a business, and it's and it's a, actually a business, and it's a rescue service. It's called Ryan's Rattlesnake Rescue, and you can find him on Instagram and on Facebook, I believe. Right, Joey? We saw him, we found him on Facebook as yeah, well. I found him on, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. And he's a specialist on rattlesnakes, and specifically in the area where I am, Marietta or Southern California. Um, he's going to help us out and talk to us about rattlesnakes, answer our questions about rattlesnakes, and kind of figure out what these snakes are thinking. So, um, man, it's just like I was looking at so much stuff just before the show started. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> right? So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring our guest out. Well, actually, before we even get started, Joey, how's your week been? It's been good? Oh, it's been good. I mean... It started off last week with a great backyard barbecue party. Yeah. And then a very nice sunset ride on Sunday. Calavera, all the legal stuff. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then a lot of work. And I'm looking forward to riding tomorrow. Nice. Nice. Friday is upon us. That's going to be great. Any yeah. any thoughts on where you're going to ride tomorrow? Uh, my favorite spot, hopefully, out in San Clemente. Oh, yeah. Good buddy of ours. Uh, should be getting a brand new yt decoy which uh, that is going to be awesome i think it's stormtrooper white as well so that's that's going to be awesome um before we get started on the show too i did want to say there is some late breaking news coming out of sky park and uh i don't have the official verbiage for it but uh, i see producer debbie ko is on and she was able to give me a little bit of the verbiage Prior to the official release of this news, as we all know, Sky Park is up there in that um, Highway 18 area. And a lot of the forests are closed right now because of the dangers of fires. A lot of the resources are being shifted up north where the fires are ablazing. But Sky Park's doing something really interesting because Snow Summit is closed. Snow Valley is closed. Sky Park is actually a privately owned facility and mountain bike park. So they are going to remain open. And what they would like to do is something special for the folks that are getting closed out of Snow Summit and Snow Valley. So stay tuned to a release of Sky Park. They're going to do something really special for the mountain bikers who can't get up to Summit in Snow Valley. Also, just a reminder, speaking of Sky Park, Joey, I didn't know this but if you're a local or you're in the industry, you can always get a 10% discount for your day pass or your season pass. Huh. I didn't know that. I didn't know either. I had no idea. I had no idea. So getting back to the show, episode 46 with Ryan. 
Um, Joey, you and I were out at Calavera getting ready to gear up and get on our sunset ride. And I got this call from the wife and she was like, there is a giant rattlesnake in the backyard. Who should we call? <laughs> so <laughs> Joey saw me for like 40 minutes fumbling around trying to find somebody who could help us. And uh, luckily we found Ryan and Ryan came out to the house actually also called the local fire department. I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to help, but it turns out they were able to help. And uh, I met uh, where the family got to meet Ryan and I heard a lot of good things about Ryan. And then he came over to the house and I got to meet him because he also does snake fences, which is great. So that is how we got Ryan on the show tonight. And uh, he's got a wealth of information. So let's real quick, let's, let's share that uh, snake. Oh, yeah. You guys want to see the snake that was there? It is there. I don't know if it's a he or a she, but she's got 1,569 views and so many comments. So many people were commenting on on the snake. Most of the comments were like, uh, hail to the no. (laughs) That was was one of the comments that was on there. Uh, Lots of those. But if you look at this thing, it's also beautiful in a way, right? So it's it's something that we need in our in our environment. They're gonna they're gonna take care of all the rats and the mice and all these other things that uh, mean may not want around. So it's part of this well balance of our ecosystem, and that's why Ryan is out here today. And also, when my wife called, she wanted to make sure we called somebody who wasn't going to just come out and kill the snake. She yeah. wanted to find somebody who was going to be able to just get the snake out of there and back into its natural habitat. So <laughs> so with that being said, I see Timothy Haley is on the line. What's up, everyone? Debbie Co is here and Crisco Bike out of Idaho. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, Crisco Bike, he actually works at one of the zoos out in Idaho, and uh, he's saying a slithering skinny. Mm-hmm. So... Let's bring out our guest for the evening and let's learn more about these poison noodles. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, welcome to the show, buddy. What's going on, guys? Not much, man. I am so happy to have you on. Joey and I are laughing because ever since Joey treated seeing snakes out in the trails like fishing, we haven't, yeah. we haven't seen one. Had a perfect oh, record this year. Yeah. It's like, I want to spot a snake so that I can, so that, you know, it's like catching a fish and my goose eggs. <laughs> so I guess I had to have one come visit me at the house. Yeah, it was uh, actually a pretty one too. That was a pretty big, it was a Southern Pacific. Yeah. So it's, let's get into it. Um, all the different types of snakes in the area. That was a Southern Pacific. Is that one of many types of snakes out here in Southern California? In Southern California, at least around Marietta and in our areas down there in Riverside and uh, San Bernardino. And you're mostly going to find around three to four different species. Around your area, there's, it's about three. There's a, a red diamond rattlesnake, okay. the Crotalus ruber. That's actually the the protected species it's a very pretty snake it's that orangey red color the one that you were showing on the video earlier on my instagram those are uh very pretty snakes those probably get the biggest out of the three holy cow they're actually one of the more docile out of the three as well i mean 
that one that you saw was definitely not too docile, but you know, <laughs> it was mad. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all, all rattlesnakes, they're not, they're not, uh, aggressive, you know, they're defensive, more, more scared than anything. So that whole rattling and that whole stance you saw, you know, that's all just, uh, their way of screaming pretty much being scared and Hey, leave me alone. Don't mess with me, you know? Hmm, but, um, so yeah, that one, that red diamond, they're, they're beautiful snakes, you know? And then the one that you came across in your, in your backyard, that was a Southern Pacific rattlesnake. Hmm. Yeah. Those are the very, very nervous snakes. Those are one of the more, more, uh, more likely to strike and bite. And those are probably the more bites that you hear about in really? California. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> their uh their their venom's a little bit more toxic as well than the three that you'll find around here it's a uh, it's a uh, got a pretty bad little cocktail of of toxicity going on it has the the hemotoxin and the neurotoxin so you don't want to get bit by one of those guys you know yeah. but just like most rattlesnakes pretty much all rattlesnakes you leave them alone show them their respect and give them give them their distance you know they're eventually going to slither off you know but yeah. um, and then there's one more. There's a uh, the speckled rattlesnake, southwestern speckled. Those are actually you can find different color phases and different different kinds of speckles all over, anywhere from California to you know Nevada, Utah, and and Arizona mostly. But those are very pretty. Those are my favorite. <laughs> wow. Those, those are are like the camo. The camo kings is what they call them. <laughs> they, blend hard. Really well. they blend right into everything. Yeah. Man. So the these snakes, we were talking earlier. So like say the Southern Pacific has the two venom cocktails. Do they all have a multitude of cocktails of venom? Or is the Southern Pacific the only one that has the blend of uh, hemotoxin and neurotoxin? There's also the Mojave Green as well that that shares the the bad cocktail and there's a some argue that the Southern Pacific is actually more toxic than the the Mojave that you'd find, but that's a little bit more you know north and out into the the San Bernardino County desert areas. Okay. But yeah, uh, recent uh, studies show that uh, the Southern Pacific's uh, venom is gets, gets really really hot <laughs> no one wants yeah. to mess with those you know wow wow yeah we're i'm just looking at the comments as you're as you're saying oh, yeah. as you're talking it says uh chris Kobike says maybe they're just looking for some love and then mtb raging says what's up my people we're we're talking <laughs> about nope ropes right <laughs> so there's like a healthy amount of respect for these things yeah um so I guess the, the main question, and I do have some questions that came in from Instagram, but the main question that everybody is wondering about, like if you get bit by a Southern Pacific or a Mojave Green, which sounds like it's not really in this area, but one of these snakes that are in the area, if you get bit when you're on a mountain bike, are you going to die? See, that's, that's, it, there's many factors that play into that, you know, and if, unless you have existing, you know, issues going on, you know, there's a chance you could die, but for the most part, the fatality rate on snake bites in California, that is, are, you know, very low, very low. I don't know the exact numbers, but, you know, any fatality that does happen is usually because someone has existing, you know, issues like heart issues or something along those lines. But 
let's say you were to get bit out on the trail you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're far from any you know your your vehicle you may not uh be able to get to uh, a hospital fast you know because that's the main thing if you were to get bit first thing is stay calm and know that you're not gonna die that's the main worry for people you know that i can say stay calm all i can but in reality you get bit you're gonna trip out a little bit you know sure yeah but, so yeah just stay calm sit down if you can you know and uh instantly try to get a hold of 911 or figure out your plan on how you're getting to the hospital as fast as possible you know okay. so yeah call 911 and if it's a bad enough bite or if you're far enough away from a vehicle or help they'll send out help they'll airlift you out actually and it, it happens all the time wow it's, it's a very expensive process but sometimes very necessary you know yeah so is, go ahead oh no i was just gonna say is there a is there a time limit from the time you get bit to the time you really get in trouble i mean how how quickly does the venom start to to react and see that's where kind of there's many factors that kind of play into that you know the location of the bite for one uh for two the species of snake that bit you so let's say a southern pacific were to bite you if it were to bite you what normally happens is the feet or the hands from people trying to mess with them, you know, or accidentally stepping on one or in your guys' case, running one over possibly, you know, mm -hmm. um, really the time limit is just, there's no specific time. I mean, you need to get there as fast as possible. You know, you're not gonna, you, you don't have minutes, you don't have hours to live, you know, but they say time is tissue. That's a, a known saying for snake bites. Hmm. So the longer you wait, usually the more tissue damage or nerve damage or, you know, loss you're going to have, you know. So when you see all these nasty pictures of snake bites, if you've ever attempted to look them up, they look pretty nasty. And that's usually with people that go without any type of, you know, medical care from that or medical treatment at all for okay. long periods of time. Wow. And, and in the areas that we are all mountain biking in, do most, uh, obviously we're at kind of out in the wilderness when we're mountain biking, do most surrounding hospitals have anti-venom for a majority of these snakes nowadays? So from what my knowledge that um, most of the hospitals around like Inland Valley and um, and what's the other one out there in, in Marietta? Loma Linda. Loma Linda. Loma Linda is the one that where they have the most snake, the snake specialists there. I mean, there's there's Bill Hayes, which is a known you know doctor out there that he's a snake specialist. He that's what they specialize in, you know. But yeah. um, I know that there's anti venom in most of the hospitals around here. But I suggest, if possible, that's where they end up going to take you. If it's a bad enough bite, or if it's something they can't hit, take you, or take care of that's where they're going to send you is Loma Linda. And most, most of the time they're going to take you there, you know, not just going to boot you out and say, it can't handle you, you know, go, go somewhere else. Yeah. They're going to put but, you in, a, in a, a wagon and try to get you there. A the, wagon or a helicopter, who knows, depending on the situation, you know? Yeah. And the good news for a lot of us mountain bikers, Greer Ranch, where we, a lot of us ride oh, is yeah. right across the freeway. Uh, the 215 is right across, um, Greer's right across from Loma Linda is what I'm oh, trying to say. So that's yeah. not too far. <laughs> Greer is loaded full of snakes too. I don't yeah, know if you've yeah. ever seen any there, but 
I'll actually go there hunting for snakes and I'll go out looking for them and photograph them and, and let them go. But yeah, that place has some really big and really beautiful snakes. That's for sure. That's, oh man, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, a couple questions coming in. Uh, Chris Gobike is saying, honest question, do the population studies show that all the local species are thriving or are they dipping into a concerned status? Um, I'm not too sure on, on the, the studies that are going on, like what they've came up with, but my own, I know that they say the red diamond rattlesnake it's a protected species because of uh its its location or its habitats are being taken over and they're not necessarily endangered they're definitely not endangered in my book because 90 percent of my calls are red diamonds anytime i go out herping herping is what we call you know the diamond but herping is what we call you know fishing in a sense but going out and looking for reptiles and Anytime I go out, that's what I'm going to find, whether I'm looking for it or not, is a red diamond. Is and this a, a red diamond right here that we're looking at? Correct. Yes. That is a, a big Crotalus ruber. <laughs> that's Ooh. a red diamond. Oh, my goodness. MTB Raging Craig says, beautiful, kind of majestic creatures, but hella scary to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tons of respect uh, for them. I think the the most popular snake outside of the the ruber would definitely be the Southern Pacific. Those things are everywhere, and you can find those year round. I mean, I found them in on Christmas Day, you know, or on, during and New Year's even. They're no. they're out everywhere, even when it's cold. If you look hard enough, Stop. obviously not going to be out cruising around. But if you're out like me, flipping boards and looking for them, you're you're going to find them. Good grief. Yeah. So that's another question is, you know, a lot of us will ride in the morning because it's cooler, um, especially in the summertime when it gets hot. And then a lot of folks like to tuck in before like around 10 or 11. As the heat starts to come up, one of the things that we start to think about is, well, starting to get hotter, the snakes are going to be out now. We should try to end this ride. But in your experience, where do these things go? How do they move around? When can we most try to avoid them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I know mountain bikers or hikers, they all like to go out when it starts to cool off and they don't want to go out in the middle of the day when it's super hot. Well, rattlesnakes seem to think the same. If it feels oh, great God. to you, it feels even better to them. So oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the, the golden hour, you know, in the mornings, right when the sun's coming up until it gets really hot, that's when they're waking up and they're out, you know, cruising around catching the last bit of sun they can. And then right before the sun goes down, when it, you know, starts to cool off and feel nice, it feels great to them. And most of the time they're out during the nighttime looking for food. And, you know, that's when they'll go hunker down after they find a meal. And sometimes it happens to be on our doorsteps. Jeez, <laughs> my yeah. goodness. Right. Totally. Yeah. They probably feel safe up against the house there. Yeah. And during um, the day when it's super hot, they like to, you know, go down deep underground into the rock piles where there's you know squirrel holes and stuff like that they'll go high deep down where it's nice and cool you know and then yeah. rise up when it starts to get warm enough you know is there a temperature range that's optimal for the for their uh for the rattlesnakes um anywhere usually i mean with the southern pacifics like i was saying you can it really doesn't matter with them i mean they're all cold-blooded species, so they they that what that means is they need they can't regulate their temps. They go off of whatever the temp around them is. So 
and they need that that warmth to actually survive to make their their organs work and move and digest food and also you know anywhere from you know 70 to 80 mid 80s maybe you know anywhere after then is when it starts to get too warm from them and they'll seek shade or cooler temps okay so, yeah when it feels great it feels great to them you know wow san diego must be loaded sunny oh. and 70 all year around yeah definitely so 70 to 85 so when it's below eight, when it's below 70 it, it might be a little more chilly for them meaning that they're not moving around as fast they're probably going to huddle up somewhere where they feel protected and can stay warm maybe even underground exactly i mean you might if it's a nice sunny day and it's still around 70 still a little lower there's sun out they might be out on the rocks basking you could see them out just laying out on the trail just catching some sun they might not be as active and quick to you know get into defense mode because they're they're barely able to move themselves they're trying to warm up as or catch any little bit of sun they can you know gotcha. Gotcha. Man, this is so interesting. Folks, and if you're on, um, just type in questions here for, for Ryan so uh, he can answer the questions that you guys have. Um, this is really interesting stuff. So already I'm learning about the different temperatures. Now, mainly you say they're active at night. And a lot of times in the summer, we're like, let's go for a night ride. That sounds great. But that's probably yeah. when there's more of them out. Yeah, I mean, if it's a nice warm night, you know, that's when they're more active, you know, it's, that's when all the food comes out, that's when everything else comes out, because it's too hot during the day. So what do they do? They, you know, arise when all their food wakes as well. And, you know, so what I suggest, honestly, if you're out on your mountain bike rides at nighttime, obviously have a flashlight, you know, flashlights are your best friend or a spotlight on your bars or headlamp on your helmet or something. That way you can have a better idea of what might be in front of you. Obviously you're already worried about that being a mountain biker, you know, <laughs> right. for rocks and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Greer's got a lot of rocks. So it's a lot of warmth for these, for these guys. Oh yeah. Uh, Timothy Haley says, I've seen one coiled up on trail when it was 54 degrees, but sunny. See, there you go. That's the, the sunny part, you know. If there's any sun out and they're cold, they're going to seek some sort of warmth. Wow. They may not be as active and, like I said, not as defensive right away because they can't. They're too cold, you know. They're more sluggish and, you know, can't move as fast when they're cold. Interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, we got MTB Rad Dad just popped on. He says, yo, what's up, everyone? MTB Rad Dad's in the Coachella Valley out there in the Palm Springs, uh, Rancho Mirage area, La Quinta. Um, what kind of snakes are there? Similar snakes out there as well to, to here compared to here, or is it a whole different type of species? No, it's, it's around the same plus some, I mean, they they have a lot of, uh, the desert species like the sidewinders and the Mojave's and, you know, they have a lot more of the, the, some of the deadly ones, you know, the Mojave's are, are very dangerous snakes, you know, I don't want to say deadly, but it's potential, you know, mm. it's nothing you want to get bit by. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. I just had a buddy recently that was out taking pictures in the desert and he had a, at least three Mojave's that were all in the same little rock pile. And he was on his cell phone, you know, mm. like, like this taking pictures and he's looking at his screen, watching the snake through his screen with his fingers like this, you know, oh, no. And when you're looking through your cell phone screen, they look like they're, you know, pretty far away from you. 
and he, you know, misjudged the distance and got ended up getting tagged right in his finger by, by Mojave. And he, yeah, he, he, he told me the same thing. He's like, you know, you've always said to stay calm, but there's no way of staying calm. <laughs> I tried my hardest. And then, you know, once the, the ambulance drive, not the driver, but one of the paramedics told me, Hey, so he was, they had a ride along, I guess. And he was telling the ride along. So this is where we need to control his breathing because and watch his breathing because the venom will actually paralyze his, his, uh, I forgot exactly how it goes. It's, you know, you breathe on you. You don't breathe, or you breathe without thinking. You know, you just yeah. naturally take breaths. Well, right. It takes that ability away in a sense. So you kind of forget to breathe in a sense, or you don't have that that uh, ability to breathe really. You know, so you need help at that point. Dude. And why why this dude's hearing this? He's trying to stay calm and he <laughs> right. right along this. And he goes, "Hey, man, please leave that part out. Like I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do this." I'm right. trying to control my breathing here, and you're telling me I might stop and not be able to. So, <laughs> right. there's so but, many things on the autonomic nervous system. You got your heartbeat, you got your breathing. There's a yep. whole bunch of stuff. So, Mojave Greens have that. It must be some kind of a neurotoxin that that uh, messes with that. Um, sounds like the Southern Pacifics do as well. Ooh. And those are and you know what's very interesting. Actually, I should have mentioned that before. Is the Southern Pacific the reason why they are so, I mean, there's their venoms, it ranges. I mean, they're so deadly into an extent because it's all about the location of where that snake was. So if I, you were to get bit by a, a snake that's here in Riverside County versus, you know, out in San Bernardino County, uh, Southern Pacific, that is their venoms are going to be two different toxicities altogether. Some have more of a neurotoxin than the other one. Some will have more of the hemotoxin and it's, it goes back and forth. So it's when you were to ever get bit, there you go. That one right there is from up in the Cresta. Wow. Is that a sidewinder? Is it moving sideways or just trying to get away from it? It kind of is, but this video I'm actually showing how rattlesnakes will never chase you. That's, that's a a big myth, you know? Really? Yeah. If you're able to hear this, I'm, I'm telling you all about how, you know, look, this snake wants nothing to do with me. I'm stepping in front of it. I'm actually chasing it to an extent, you know, and he wants nothing to do with me. He's rattling this whole time, letting me know, leave me alone, leave me alone. I don't want to have to bite you, you know, Interesting. trying to get away. That's all they're doing. Yeah. Wow. So that's a myth because I always thought those freaking things would come after you if they were pissed, but really they're just, they'll either hold their ground or back away is what it and seems like. Yeah, and, and uh, rattlesnakes don't want to have to use their venom, you know. it's Their venoms is precious to them, so they don't want to have to use it as a defense. They want to use that. <laughs> <laughs> Craig. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they don't want to have to use that venom just on, you know, some huge, you know, giant that's trying to mess with them, you know. They want to use that for their food. And so – you know, with all else fails, then they'll bite. If you corner them and they don't think they can get away is when they're going to strike, you know, mm, or, okay. or surprise them or something like that. That's when they're going to strike. But snakes will chase you. I don't care what any story you may have heard. You know, most of these stories that you hear are are told after, you know, they're remembering it with their adrenaline running. And they're just, you know, that snake struck at me. And it that right there was enough for them to say it's coming at them because it moved towards them. And 
you know, there's many situations where it looks like a snake may be chasing you. Yeah. You know, they, they like to seek safety to a, to a dark hole somewhere or a dark safe spot. That's where they feel the safest. Sometimes you're putting mm -hmm. up a huge shadow and you just look like a dark, a dark spot to somewhere safe to get to. You know, they, they run off the heat and the heat signatures is how they see. And, you know, if you're standing right in front of the sun, putting off a big shadow, you might just look like a nice, cool spot to run to. And there's many situations where, you know, that can happen with the whole snakes chase me, you know, stories you hear. Yeah. But the pretty much for the golden rule is that majority of the rattlesnakes are are not going to be chasing you. They're going to be trying to get away from you or or trying to hide. Definitely. Yes, they, they want to get away at all costs, you know, and I mean, there, there are situations where you might have a more aggressive snake where it's going to sit there and hold its ground and it's not going to move, you know, mm -hmm. it's more of like, nope, you're not, you're gonna have to either go around me or go the other way or else you're going to get bit, you know, yeah. and at that point, you're out on the trail and you see a snake like that, it's better just to, you know, flip a u-turn and just go the other way or seek a safe route going around the snake but right. for the most part you run into a snake first first thing stop you know just stop if possible i know sometimes you guys are hauling butt out there but yeah you know if possible just stop make your presence known and as soon as that snake knows that you're there you know it might go into its defense mode and start shaking its rattle and you know let you know hey i'm here too don't mess with me or else you're gonna get bit and then once it seems like it's a safe time to get away, that's what that snake will do. It'll it'll cruise off the trail and get, you know, once it's a nice, safe, safe distance, you know, to get a, through or, you know, past that snake, you know, you can go ahead and go for it. But if that snake doesn't want to move, then, you know, the best bet is just turn around and find another route around the snake, you know. What is a safe distance for a snake? Are, are snakes... Um, do they have like an ability or how fast can one move first of all? And what's a safe distance away from a snake? So snakes can move pretty fast. I'm not going to lie. But Dude, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> yeah, they, they can. If, if it's a nice warm day and that snake is energized up, you know, it's, it can move pretty fast. It's nothing faster than you can run. That's for sure. <laughs> but like I said, they're not going to chase you, but that safe distance. So a rattlesnake, for the most part can strike uh th their strike range is a third of their body a third of their body okay so, so from one their head their yeah head down you know and there there's been cases where snakes will lunge you know they'll lunge and strike pretty far a little bit further than a third of their body but that's most bites happen when people are trying to mess with them or you know remove them or you know whatever the case may be just don't mess with it, you know, respect yeah. that snake and keep your distance. So if you're within, you know, five feet of the snake is actually a safe distance. It may seem kind of close to most people, but sometimes it's a surprise, you know, you don't realize it before you know it, you're already right there and you notice the snake before it notices you just back up slowly and just let it go, you know, let mm. it go on its way. But once your presence is known, that snake will, will take off, you know? Wow. What, um, now there's been plenty of instances when we're out on the trails and there'll be a snake laying, basking in the sun, laying across the trail. 
and just sitting there. And a lot of folks will like take pebbles and try to like throw a pebble at it to get it to move. I've also heard of some people taking their water bottle and just squirting a little bit of water on it because it doesn't seem as invasive and may change the temperature and the snakes will then, you know, slither off. But yeah. what is a, a good way, <laughs> Chris Kobach says bunny hop it. <laughs> what, is good, what is a good way to, to get the snake to move on? Obviously, if it knows you're there, but it's still not moving, is there a way not to make it mad, but encourage so it? Don't, try not to approach it. I mean, I, I want to say it's a good idea to throw pebbles, but at the same time, I don't because you're throwing sometimes pebbles are this big to people. Sometimes pebbles are rocks and mm. you don't want to hurt the snake. You know, it's just out there living its life. And, and sometimes they are, they just not worried about people because they're used to these big giants on, you know, these wheels cruising by every day. And they're, they're used to you at that point. Some are just, you know, stubborn little punks and they don't want to move. You know? So <laughs> right. in that, in that case, I mean, the water bottle trick, it's seems like a pretty good idea. It might get them to know you're there and not want to, most snakes don't like to be sprayed with water. That's for sure. Yeah, but and you can spray also, from a big distance too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're able to from a good distance, that that would be a good idea. I mean, I know that uh, I take a water bottle with me whenever I go out looking for these things, and I've actually, especially out in the deserts, you know, snakes don't come across water very often. So I've actually gave little drinks to snakes, and they'll sit there and slurp out of the water bottle because they're you know they're thirsty. So I don't know. I mean, you might you know, since, oh, it's raining, it might have some water or a chance to drink. It might want to come towards that water. Who knows? Oh, geez. Great. So, <laughs> most part, though, if you, that's just a little dabble of water on it. But if you're, you know, super soaking it with water, it's going to, you know, not like that and it'll take off. Yeah. It especially into its defense mode, you know, but. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that makes sense. Cause it would temperature change. Um, we got MTB raging says a third of their body solid knowledge. So good, good uh, rule. If it's three foot, then at least a foot of striking distance there. Exactly. body. Uh, Adam mock is on the line. What's up, Adam. Great to see you on here. Adam says, do snakes have seizure seizures? It's a serious question. Came across one dancing almost vertical on a trail challenging to dodge it. Yeah, what was that? So usually when you see a snake, if you're if he's talking about like standing up like a cobra type, like you like you've ever seen a cobra standing. Uh-huh. So that's usually around springtime when their males are out. The male rattlesnakes are out looking for a mate and they run into another male. If you've ever seen videos or anything of snakes battling, it's when they look like they're standing up like this and they're wrapping around and just trying to pin each other down. And that's actually like a battle is what they say. A rattlesnake yeah. battle. Dude, Adam, yeah. that snake was going to try to battle you, bro. Yeah, he was, he was <laughs> calling you out. <laughs> so, okay. So that's what that would be. That's that kind of behavior. Yeah. When they're, the when seizure, they're seizure part, I'm not, I mean, there's, I'm sure they can. I mean, there's all types of neurological issues that snakes can have from being overheating or, or, you know, plenty of cases where they can get neurological, neurological damage and, so I'm sure they can have seizures, but I don't think that was a seizure of it standing up like that. That's just kind of like it probably sensed a male around there or it just got done battling and he just happened to come across the end of it. Yeah, man, it could be. He says, I'm losing that battle if it if it did call him out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, me too, buddy. That that would be scary. <clears throat> so 
another myth is um, baby rattlesnakes. They can't control their venom and they are the most dangerous ones. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Is that a myth? Is that truth? Total myth. I mean, there's, there's parts of that that can be true, but I don't understand where that came from, to be honest, because I've heard that growing up. That's what I believed growing up until I was corrected, you know, and baby rattlesnakes can actually control how much venom comes out of each fang if they wanted to. So wow. they can they have full control. But let's say the snake, the little baby happens to just fill you full of every drop of venom it has. You know, it's definitely dangerous still. You know, but that's equivalent to an average rattlesnake, an average adult rattlesnake bite, you know. Mm. So it's not really capable of being any more dangerous than an adult rattlesnake. It's still dangerous, you know, and it's nothing to take lightly, that's for sure. But, I mean, I've also had a a case where I had a call up in La Cresta area, in Tanaha, actually. And this lady was, she was, you know, raking up leaves in her yard and, she thought it was a good idea to pick up the, all the leaves, the pile of leaves with her arms. And when she picked it up, she went to throw it away and she felt a pinch on her arm, like a pretty bad pinch. So she dropped everything and down fell a little baby Southern Pacific. And she went, holy, sh-, you know, I just right. been bit, you know, and she definitely had little fang punctures on her arm. And so she didn't feel anything else from there. And that's when she called me, which she probably should have called 911 right away, just in case, because you never know if if you have a, a dry bite, what they call, you know, because some bites from snakes, there's actually a good percentage of rattlesnakes that have a defensive dry bite. And it's like a warning bite hmm. where they don't actually envenomate you. So it's just like a, any other snake that were to bite you still hurts like hell, I'm sure. But, you know, and that's, Lady got very lucky, you know. Yeah. Her getting tagged in the arm by a baby Southern Pacific could have been very bad, you know. And she also waited till I got there to tell her, "Yeah, you've been bit," you know. Right. So there, there's there's cases where I mean that can happen where you can get a dry bite and you you will be okay. Don't take that that chance of wondering whether you got a dry bite or not. It's better just to seek medical attention, you know, no matter what. Okay. That's good advice. So say we're out on the trails, we're, we're back there a couple of miles and we have just a terrible encounter and we get bit. Do we need to identify the snake? Like, do we need to try to take a picture of it right away or do we just need to know it was a rattlesnake? Um, for the most part, I mean, I've, I've heard of people trying to catch the snake and bringing the snake in with them to the hospital, which is a very bad idea. Oh, God. Now you're, you're risking, you know, Other all people. types of things right there. You're getting bit again, you know, or whatever. And, and so that's not a good idea. I mean, if it was possible, don't go out of your way to try to take a picture of the snake because they have um, an actual, an antivenom that's called Crofab. And it's, it's meant for all North American venomous species. Oh, it like covers everything. Yes. And Thank goodness. Yeah. And it's actually, it's, it's a little bit more expensive than everything else. You know, all the other antivenoms you might get, but it's, if there was ever a question of what type of snake you're a bit by, that's what they would go to. Or if it was a, a, a power, powerful enough bite, that's what they're going to go to as well. Cause it's mm-hmm. supposed to take care of all the North American species of rattlesnakes. 
Okay, that's great to know. That is good to know. So yeah. not not as important to grab a picture of it. If you no, can, no. great, but you're going to be covered once you get the antivenom. So you're out there, you, you go to your phone, you realize you don't have cell service. Sometimes in these areas we go to, there is no cell service, but we want to keep the heart rate down, right? We want to prevent the venom from, from spreading throughout your body. Right. You don't, so anything you've heard about what to do about rat with rattlesnake bites, like the, like the whole rattlesnake bite kit, have you ever seen those? Yeah. Somebody like actually that? had a question about that. Yes. Don't use those. I honestly don't know how they're being sold. You know, okay. it's actually, it's not, it's not good for you whatsoever. It can cause nothing but more damage actually. And I don't know. I really don't know how they're being sold, you know, but <laughs> tell the folks a little bit about that kit for the ones who don't know. So the kit, it's like a, uh, an extraction kit and you're supposed to have like these cups on the end of it where you're supposed to put over your bite and then you, it's supposed to extract like a syringe type deal. And it's, you know, it has a suction to it. Well, what's that's doing is it's sucking. Let's say it gets the venom in that's in your tissue, which you're already, you're already bitten. It's already past the point of trying to do anything. If it's gotten into your bloodstream, you know? So let's say you have a little pocket of venom that you just sucked to that surface, not out of your skin, but to the surface, you've now made all the venom stay in that location. So that whole time is tissue that I was saying before. Yes. That's where it just intensified because you put all that venom into one location to do damage to that one location. Holy so, smokes. Okay. Yeah. So the whole tying a tourniquet above the bite, uh, you know, that whole rattlesnake extract extractor, you know, don't do any of that. You know, that's, that's going to do nothing but more harm and more damage to, you know, the area and, could cause infections it could cause a whole heap of you know trouble for you that party yeah. in you know right right yeah god forbid you suck any of that and swallow some of the venom and then well, who knows what else that could create that's right the thing, though. that's the thing you know you can actually take a shot glass of venom and take a drink of it and you'll be 100 okay that what? is if you have no wounds in your mouth or you have no cuts or anything but yeah, it's it's a different story if you ingest the the venom versus it being put into your bloodstream. Interesting. That's why yeah. these things are able to eat their prey. Yeah. Wow. That exactly. makes sense. Okay, so you're out there. You have no cell service. You get bit. Don't break out your snake bite kit. That thing is <laughs> definitely a no. Throw that thing out the window. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lighten but, your way. Get that thing off on the yeah. trail. So Don't stay as calm as you can, like I've been saying, and you know just start walking until you find cell service you know i mean till you find cell service till you can get back to your car you may not have self-service yet your phone might have died and you don't have a way of charging it you know yeah just get to your car as calm as you can know you're gonna be okay and don't run don't panic don't start you know going crazy you know just stay calm and get to your vehicle and i by that point you might not even be able to drive who knows? Because I, I, I've never been bitten, but I've heard plenty of stories to where it disorients you, you know, pretty bad. And you'll get very nauseated and you might get super bad headaches. Um, one one way to know if you were bit and envenomated, actually, and it wasn't a dry bite, is first thing you'll get um, like a copper taste in your mouth. Oh, really? Interesting. Right after you've been bit, you'll taste that copper taste, like pennies. or That's what people would say, like an example of. And... 
that's when you know you've been envenomated, you know. And I've heard of uh, people have very like their saliva will just be excessive. They'll make that's why when you see dogs bit get bit, if you ever have, they'll drool a bunch and they'll they'll wow. bleed excessively from from the wound, you know. Wow. Yeah. That's and interesting. Yeah, the effects of a rattlesnake bite without treatment can be pretty bad, you know. Right. Okay. So if you're on the bike and you and you get tagged, don't put a tourniquet on. Uh, if you can call for help, call for help right away. Sounds like you might want to just sit down right there or find a, a shape, you know, a safe spot to just keep your heart rate down. If you can, might might not be a bad idea to see if you can turn around and coast back out to the trailhead with minimal amount of heart rate increase. You know, that's like, that's a great idea. Yeah, especially since you're on a mountain bike. But if you have to go uphill on a bike, toss that bike and just start walking because that's going to take a lot of your energy and make your heart and all your blood just pump, you know. So just if if in that low or that situation where you've been bit and there's no way of getting help and you need to seek help yourself, you know, just take calm stroll through the park, you know, and just hopefully you can get back to somebody that can see you or, you know, a vehicle of some sort. I, like I said, you might not be able to drive that vehicle by that point, you know? Yeah. But the good, the good thing that you taught us is uh, just to stay calm and remember you're not going to die. Correct. The chances of you dying are going to be low, but uh, to keep that heart rate down and to get help and get the antivenom will help save tissue. Tissue is time in mm-hmm. this type of thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> Joey Yates says pee on it. Wait, I, I think that's a jellyfish. That's a jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to pee on it. <laughs> when you're exposing those parts to a snake, you want right. to get bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was tissue. You don't want that to get bit. Pee mm. on everything, Joey, just in case. That's <laughs> huh. what Adam Mock says. Okay, so I mean, these are all great things to know. I do have some questions for you that came in through the Instagram. And uh, I wanted to jump in there and see if I can ask you. One of them was that snake kit. So um, if you see a snake kit out there for sale, uh, you heard it here from Ryan. Do not buy that snake kit because it no. does not work. No. Causes more not. damage. And I'm going to get here to this. I'm going to say on, on any of those um, kits, do they – do they say are they all basically say snake bite kit, right? I think it says a snake bite extraction kit. Snake bite, okay. And the question that came from was uh, Man Truck on Instagram. He asked that question, and uh, I think we covered this one. But Xavier or X A V I M T B says, "What do I do if I get bitten?" We kind of have an idea of what to do there. Stay calm. Try to seek help because time is tissue on that um what do i do if i run over a snake that's a good question because sometimes ryan we're in a train of like four mountain bikers and we're coming around a corner there's rock gardens may not even see it but what happens if you run it over what what is a snake going to do and what about the people behind us so it's kind of a a pretty bad situation to be honest i mean you come across it's no way of stopping, you know, no, and you have to run it over or you just run it over by accident, you know. Um, 
try to keep your feet up, you know, or, or something, because that snake is going to want to turn around and bite whatever just ran over him right away. Okay. And or it depends if you happen to run over its head, it might be dead right away, you know, but yell as loud as you can. Hey, snake. And let, try to let the people know behind you so you don't create a pile up, you know, and you guys all land on top of the snake. Good Lord. Nightmare. Yeah. So just, <laughs> you know, first thing, let people know behind you and try to stop if possible. If you've already ran it over, still stop beyond the snake and let people know, hey, you know, notify them. There's a snake right here. Stop, stop, stop. You know, because okay. I've seen situations like that where snake actually got tangled up into the, the sprocket and ended up injuring the snake. I don't think it lived, but into the sprocket and got spit out behind it. And someone else ran over it and saw the whole thing go down, but he crashed and fell on top of it and no one was bit. But that was worst case, you know. Yeah, that would be terrible. And sometimes, okay, so so stop if you can. And uh, if you bunny hop it because you see it last second, that's a good way to avoid it. If you if you see it and you know you're not going to bunny hop it, lift your feet up and then try to tell the squad behind you. <laughs> freaking snake. Yeah, if you're <laughs> capable of jumping over that thing, you know, all more power to you. That's last, you know, last resort to hop over it, you know. But let's see you uh, come up a little short and land on the thing, you know, it could be a dangerous situation for you or the snake, you know? Yeah. But I understand that, sometimes you can't help it, you know? Yeah. It, sometimes you're going through those rock gardens and if they're camouflaged, you may not even see it, but if you do, the, mm -hmm. that, that makes total sense. Yeah. That thing's going to defend itself. Hey, I'm um, so sorry. I need to grab the charger for my laptop real fast. Yeah. So go no, no, go for it. Go for it. All right, cool, man. I'm sorry about that. It's okay, One Ryan. Second. Yeah, do it. Do it. Um, Joey, what do you think, man? This is good information. Oh, Joey, you're on mute. Yeah, this is good stuff. Some of it I didn't want to hear. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know how what you guys are feeling, but when he said snakes are actually pretty fast, I was like, oh, no. All right. All right. <laughs> But, you know, so far, like the one third, the body length of a striking distance, that was really interesting. That was really interesting. Right, right. Um, I did not know that. And uh, I did not realize that there is one vent, one anti-venom to cover all different types of snake bites. I would have thought, my first thought would be to try to take a picture of it, but. Right, right. That was news. That was news to me too. Yeah. But yeah, as far as running it over and then it being upset and trying to grab you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's times when you can't do anything. I mean, I'm thinking in a corner. It's not like you can bunny hop. You just come around a corner and there it is. Right. Or like, I've like I've landed on one coming off a blind jump before. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And if there's somebody behind you. Right. You know. Well, they'll hear me scream when I see a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one thing. Everybody will hear me. <laughs> one thing we all have in common is that healthy respect for the snakes. We'll all right. scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of like a Greer, you know, like distortion, all those rock gardens and then overdrive with all the rocks on it. It's just. And he said there was a lot of snakes at Greer. Yeah. That must and, be where he, maybe he releases them out there. <laughs> no, no, it sounds like he catches them there. He oh, okay. Them yeah, there. he said he, he goes out looking for them under rocks and stuff. Yeah, my Nuts. goodness. Holy cow. I don't know. What do you guys think? Type it in what you guys are thinking about this, uh, about the snakes. And then 
any questions you have too, because this is our, our time to learn a little bit more about them. But for the most part, it sounds like these snakes really don't want to have anything to do with us. Yeah, I was watching that backstage a little bit more, that one where he was kind of chasing it around. It was just trying to get away from him. It wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah, it, it really did. That's kind of comforting to know that they're just like not really wanting to deal with us. Uh, Debbie says, when I've hiked and run across them, I've tried to gently toss little pebble, little pebbles at, at them, and they slowly move off. But my biggest fear is riding so fast and just running into one. Scary. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, if you're fast enough, it's not even going to know you were there. You're going you're gonna to be gone before it has a chance. But if there's somebody behind you, that's the one. So I think everyone's going to not want to be sweep anymore. Nobody's going to want to ride in the back anymore <laughs> after this. <laughs> Adam Mock says, seeing a good amount of snakes on the Choya climb, no bunny hopping those, just waiting. Yeah, seriously, Ugh. right? Choya, that was a good one That when we climbed that at Aliso. Oh, okay. That's that climb, right? Yeah. I That's couldn't, a good climb. I couldn't imagine on the uphill on, on that or like Anderson Truck Trail. Yeah, the, the uphill snakes that's not as bad i don't because you're coming up on them slower you can easily spot them it's just the high speed ones that make me or i guess if you're climbing and it's on the high side more yeah. level with you that's true <laughs> that's right well speaking yeah. of um i see air blair's on here what's up blair good to see you buddy air blair says it seems like i saw more rattlesnakes this year at the beginning of the season than i have seen in the last five years combined why is that? That's a good question. We'll have to ask Ryan when he comes back on what uh, what that is. And and also another good point about the seasons. Like we, we should ask him about the, the seasons. It was definitely uncomfortable knowing that the Southern Pacifics are around all the time. Right. So, yeah. All right. He's back. All right. All right. Here we go. Ryan's got plugged back in. We'll bring him back onto the show. No, no worries. We were just talking a little bit about the information you gave us that we gleaned from you. And uh, we had a few questions that kind of came in. Air Blair, one of the mountain bikers on the show, actually had a crazy encounter. We were just talking about not running them over if we can, stop when we can, but try not to crash on top of them. Blair had a moment where he was going so fast, he spotted the snake, and his first instinct was to bunny hop it. And then his second instinct was to stop but he didn't want to stop on it. So what he ended up doing was sliding to a stop on a steep part of the mountain where his front tire slid right into the snake and the snake kind of came up like it was going to strike. And his face was right at head level with the snake. Oh. And he slowly started to back away, but it was so dang steep that he slipped, missed his footing, landed on his hip and slid right back down and bumped the snake again. <laughs> and the snake, the snake still didn't strike him, but you know that was just one of those crazy moments that you have where your heart's just racing. You're like, "Holy crap!" But Blair, the gentleman that we're talking about, is asking a question here. He says, "It seems like I saw more rattlesnakes this year at the beginning of the season than I have seen in the last five years combined. Why is that?" You know, it's kind of. Uh, you could have just had some bad luck. <laughs> I would call it good luck, but you, on the other hand, I, I'm sure it would be bad luck, you know. Uh, this year, actually, 
there's hasn't been as many rattlesnakes as there was in the past maybe two three years and that was because there wasn't as much rain last year you know the more rain the more vegetation the more rodents which makes more snakes so it it could have been a mixture of snakes maybe out looking for food more because it's not around or they just happen to be in that area at the same time you were at the same, you know, because snakes are always there. And to be honest, it's, I'm sure there's been multiple situations hiking or bi mountain biking, you know, where you've walked right by or rode right by snakes without even noticing them, you know, and they Ooh. they they noticed you, but they they'll use their camouflage for the most part and just stay there. They don't want to be seen, you know, so. Wow. Yeah, seeing that many, you know, a lot more this year than you ever have. I mean, yeah, it could be, you know, kind of luck of the draw, or you right or wrong place, wrong time, or, you know, it, it many factors play into that. You know, I mean, I I have gotten a lot more calls where they've ended up in people's properties a lot more this year. I mean, last year was pretty good as well. But do you remember the year when uh, all the poppies, the California poppies, were out? They oh yeah right there after the 15 it was crazy people were stopping oh, yeah. everywhere to look at them i remember that it was crazy all right people weren't thinking at all and there that was right in springtime when snakes are in their full force you know they come out you know ready to breed ready to get that first warmth of the year and they're all out in those poppies and then all these people are out there laying in the poppies just taking pictures and, <laughs> oh, geez, my and God. there was actually a couple <laughs> bites that happened right there in uh walker canyon is oh, right man. right there off uh uh lake street and i went out there as soon as i heard that there was a bite because i'm thinking oh there's snakes there i'm gonna go find some snakes and you know i came across this uh a couple, maybe they were just, you know, friends, but they were taking photos of this girl that was just laying in the poppies and just, you know, frolicking around in these poppies. And I just, you know, I mentioned, I'm like, hey, you might not want to do that, you know? Like, yeah, there's, there's snake season for one, and I, you know, there's snakes everywhere, especially out in this spot. And there was a bite recently, and this lady didn't want to hear any of it. She already knew everything about it, and she told me, I've already looked around here. There's no snakes. Oh, I'm like, man. okay, you know, I'm just trying to help, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. if, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. I mean, I do kind of have a trained eye for this type of thing, and, you know, I, I'm letting you know that there are snakes around here. And so I can – Continued to look for snakes right around that area, staying out of their way. And no kidding, within maybe 15 feet of where they were, there was a big speckled rattlesnake. And I calmly picked it up with my my tongs that I had. And I went, hey, told you there's snakes. And she was like, oh, shit. And wow. they took off. And they was, I told you there were snakes. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay, whatever. You know, I'm no arguing right. with you. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a good point. You know, when we're out and about on the trails – what is the type of environment that we can start eyeballing as snake environment? Because to the untrained eye, like myself, when I'm out there, if I go off the trail at all, I'm like, this is all snake environment. But is there a particular, particular things I should be looking for going, you know, saying to myself, like, oh, I'm going to stay away from that, or I'm going to ride right past that. Well, uh, being out in the wilderness already, you're kind of in snake territory. Let's, let's say, but for the most part, rock piles they like to seek rock piles or, or you know brush 
of some sort or, you know, wood piles or stuff like that where there might be rodents, you know. Mm. I know out at Greer Ranch, you, you can see a bunch of, uh, like, stacked up little woods and twigs and all that stuff that are right mm. off the trail. And those mm-hmm. are, uh, like, pack rats and stuff like that. Those are rodents that make those, which attract snakes. Oh, interesting. So, you know, the safest part is just stay on that trail. I know if you go off that trail, that's you're more likely to see a snake. Yeah. But at the same time, if there were to be a snake on the trail, you would have a better chance of seeing it on the trail versus, you know, stomping through the grass or riding through the grass and the rock piles and all that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, stay on them trails. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of those moments where I've, where I've washed out and gone off the side of the trail. That's uh, yeah. no control over that, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I may have come off the wrong way about all, you know, these snakes. And there's really nothing to be afraid of. I, I, it's easy for me to say that obviously than you know, someone that doesn't deal with them, but really snakes aren't out to kill you. They aren't out to bite you. They, they just want to live their life and they don't want anything to do with us. We mm-hmm. choose to go hiking or we choose to build our homes right on top of their homes. And we just need to learn to, to coexist with them, you know, and yeah. you stay out of their way, they'll stay out of yours and just let them go and they'll, they'll be fine. You know, I like that. You know, they're beautiful animals and they really are a a huge part of the ecosystem. And I'm not trying to scare you guys, you know, into thinking the snakes are everywhere. Don't do, you know, don't do anything without worrying about a snake being there. You know, I'm just there to try to spread a little bit of knowledge. So you guys aren't as, as afraid, you know, sometimes or some people there's no, you know, making that fear go away. I just, I, I can't do it. You know, I can try my, my hardest, but, I feel that a lot of the fear comes from not knowing anything about these snakes. So anything you do know usually comes from movies or TV, like the news. The news is horrible about rattlesnakes. They just make it seem like if summer's here, they're out to bite you. Watch out, you know, (laughs) right. Not never the case, you know, and it's and you know, people that, that tend to, or that are trained or not trained that are uh, raised to, to kill rattlesnakes, you know, most of the time they think they're doing the right thing and they, they think that they've done a neighborly hero heroic deed by killing a rattlesnake because of the, the, the chances of it biting one of the kids around or, you know, I understand where people are coming from when they do that. They're protecting their kids. That's what they've been raised to do the right thing. It's not like they're choosing to do the wrong and just kill animals. You know, no one likes to do that, but some people like to feel like the hero and any chance they get, of seeing a snake is let's kill it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the wrong way to go about things. And that's why I try to spread my knowledge and spread and uh, provide my service. You know, of there's another option to go away, go about having a rattlesnake on your property or, you know, anywhere where it might be a threat. You, instead of anybody or anything getting hurt, get call a professional, you know, and have them relocate it, you know, without anybody getting hurt and, don't attempt to remove it yourself. You know, that's, that happens. You know, I've, I had a person last year or this year, actually out in Sycamore Canyon and uh, the security guard there in that area did a, a, what is it called? Like it's the live like this in a sense, but everyone can join. I don't know, not a podcast, but it's kind of, I forgot what it's called, but anyway, he was telling people about me and what I do to relocate them and, this, there was a guy on there that was kind of, you know, 
I don't care. I'm killing them no matter what. If they're on my property. I got it handled. And no kidding, a, a week or two later, he had that experience where he had a rattlesnake on his property and it was next to his barbecue. So what does he do? He takes his barbecue tongs. Back up, kids. I got barbecue this. Tongs. Oh yeah. My God. Which are usually maybe like, you know, that long. Right. He thinks he's going to pick it up and remove it that way. What happens? He got tagged and he got tagged pretty good. And the news came along and blew it up like there was some aggro snake that was out to kill everybody. And you know, <laughs> they actually had animal control show up and animal control caught the snake and killed it. They said they killed it because they were afraid of it because of how aggressive the snake was. You know, it was going to if they released it, it was going to come back and kill somebody else or something. The guy was fine. A week later, I guess he was released from the hospital. It was serious, but he was okay. He was completely fine. Lived to tell the tale, you know. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm getting at is don't try to remove a snake by yourself, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Leave it to a professional. Either call me or someone in your local area. I know there's there's people all over the place that do this type of thing. Most of them are free. Some of them will charge. Um I, I know I try to provide a free service. You know, I, I sometimes there's people out there will try to uh, take advantage of people's fear, you know, and they'll overcharge for some things. And I, I don't agree with that, but that's a whole nother story, you know? Yeah. That was a great thing about uh, reaching out to you, Ryan, is that I know my wife, when we had the Pacific Southern Pacific rattler in our backyard, my wife wanted to make sure that we found somebody who wasn't going to kill the snake and your service was a great one because you came out, you were really knowledgeable about the snake, you didn't want the snake to be harmed, and then you just didn't charge a thing. But, you know, thankfully, you were able to accept the tip, which was, which was great on, on that behalf. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anyone's out there and they want to, to get more information about rattlesnakes, um, maybe dispel myths... Uh, Ryan, where can they best reach out to you? Where can they where can they get a hold of you? So I do have a uh, a Facebook that's for uh, Ryan's Rattlesnake Rescue. Um, I do have, and that has most of my contact information on there. Um, Instagram, you can get a hold of me as well. Uh, my name is Ryan Jessup, you know, and um, I, I'm, I do have business cards that I've given out. I don't have any on me at the moment to, to display that, but uh, Facebook would probably be your best bet, to be honest. Right. I mean, right. I know you put in Facebook, you put rattlesnake removal, and there's a couple of people that'll show up, and I should be on there, you know? Yeah, we did. We did see that earlier. Joey had popped one of those up earlier, and we had seen that. So, um, yeah, I think Joey's going to bring that up right now. There it is. There Ryan's go. Rattlesnake Rescue. And the phone number there is 951-329-0807. Again, 951-329-0807. What areas do you cover? Uh, I pretty much cover uh, all of Riverside County. I've, I've gone into San Diego County, but I do have other snake removals in that I will branch out to if it's somewhere that I can't get to in a reasonable amount of time. Because sometimes my phone's blowing up off the hook, you know, and I can't be in 40 places at once. So luckily I do have other people that help me out with that type of situation and I'm able to get them out there in a timely manner and, you know, get that snake off the property and 
have everybody be back to feeling safe again, you know? Nice. And then Adamok just put on Insta at Jessup13 is your Instagram handle on that. Um, as far mm-hmm. as all of us looking at snakes in that fearful lens, but you see snakes in a beautiful lens, that they're beautiful creatures, um, part of an important part of the ecosystem. Tell us, tell us a little bit about why you think the rattlesnakes are beautiful. What, what, uh, like the benefits that they provide to us as a, as a human species? Well, first of all, I mean, I love all animals, you know, but rattlesnakes in general, they, they are, they're just an amazing creature. You know, they, they are the, the survival, the fittest type of animal. They got the, all these, these traits that can, you know, have helped them survive for years and years and years. Like their venom is so powerful. It's not only a bad thing, but yet it's used for tons of different, you know, they use it for cancers. They use it for different, um, sorry, one second. No, but they'll use it for different, uh, uh, medicines for all different types of situations. You know, it's, all reptiles have always kind of, you know, got me going. I, I love reptiles, you know. I, I have a bunch of my own as well. I have rattlesnakes of my own as well. And uh, I don't know. I've just always been into rattlesnakes. And then the danger of it is kind of turned into, you know, you don't always see stuff like that. Like you see a crow or a pigeon every day or something mm-hmm. like that. You kind of don't have in, as much appreciation for something as if, you see a rattlesnake people get scared when they see that i just naturally have been you know excited because it's oh cool you know that's that's how this whole snake removal thing started for me because i'll go out looking for these things and once i kind of put it together that wait a second i can put my number on a card and people take care of the hard part for me and they find them already <laughs> they find them and then it turned into you know now I'm, I'm actually saving these snakes from being killed a lot of people like to kill them and I, I can't change their minds on that, you know? Yeah. But I, yeah, I just really get going when I hear, you know, you, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice when I get talking yeah. about them. I get I real passionate it. about that. I love it. I could definitely hear the passion in it. And, and, and snakes are great for us too, because they, I mean, they, they definitely balance out the rodents, right? Yes. I mean, a lot of people don't, most people don't know of the, the issues that we would have if we don't have snakes because we have snakes, you know, there's, lot of sicknesses and there's a lot of diseases that rodents will carry and we were overran by rodents you know it's not a good thing and people think just because they got a little mouse problem you know is the extent of it but imagine hundreds and thousands of these things everywhere you know it would be an issue and you know you don't you don't want your house covered in snake or in a mouse species and stuff like that you know sure exactly there, there are other predators that feed on mice as well but snakes they say you take out one snake from your property say you were to kill it or have it removed you've just let i think i don't know exact numbers i'm sure somebody else might but you've let a whole you know uh family of mice and uh, like times 10 of you know living now on your property that aren't going to be killed wow that's just they they balance out everything in in the whole ecosystem you know and the issues that we were to have no one really knows or you know they don't they don't understand what issues we would have because of snakes and no one needs to actually go through that and have you know that realization of oh 
no more snakes. Now we got an issue. Oh, we shouldn't have killed them all. You know, I don't right. want that to happen, you know? Yeah. So one of the beautiful things is helping decrease the rodents, which will help decrease sickness and disease. Um, also the venom that they use, I didn't realize, um, but you know, for research and uh, anti-cancer treatments, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, last thing I want to dispel a myth or maybe even make the myth a fact, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I know some people would say, I don't want to get the snake removed from my house because it'll come back, you know? So that's why we have to kill it. Is that a, is that a myth or is that a fact? See, it can go, it can go both ways. I mean, there's been studies where there's actually laws uh, for me as a snake remover where I'm not allowed to remove that snake and relocate it anywhere up to a mile away from where I found it. So that's the law. I try to obey that law for as most as I can, but with my own experiences with snakes and I, I, I try to take the, the snakes to uh, not nearby, but an excluded, you know, away from people, away from any roads. I have my own personal, you know, secrets places where I'll take these snakes and you can't just put any species anywhere you want. That's for sure. Mm. They, that law is mostly for, you know, you don't want to take a snake for someone that doesn't know what they're doing. They'll take a snake and just go put it out in a random field somewhere. They say that that snake will wander the rest of its life looking for home and will won't eat or drink and will actually end up dying. Wow. That's I, my, like I said, my own experience, I don't feel that's necessarily hundred percent true. I'm sure it can be if you're putting a snake somewhere where there's no food for one, you're putting it in a, a another location where there's not the same species around there. There's not a safe cover for them. They can't get away and hide somewhere. So they start wandering. And what that does is it makes them more prone to predators, you know, other predators like coyotes and owls and birds of prey that might, you know, want to eat these things. So like, you know, it can go both ways. I have snakes where I've gone and, you know, I've relocated them in my spots and I've gone back for over five years now and seen the same snake breeding. I've seen it th just thriving in this location. That's well over a mile away from where I found it, you know? Okay. So, so not necessarily going back to the, to the residence or the backyard that it was taken from, but it, see, can, find it. it can, it can, if that's where the snake's home is, if that's where it's den site is. The snakes go back to the same den site. They all try to, to go to the same location every winter. Wow. They, and cause that's where they were born. That they have like a home tracking device in their head, not a tracking device. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Like, like a, a GPS almost. A GPS. Yeah. It's where they know where home is and they will go on this, you know, big circle all year and keep going in that circle, getting food or a mate or, you know, whatever the case. And then when it starts to cool down, they all end up going right back to home to where this hole is, where they know it's warm, they know it's safe. And mm -hmm. sometimes other snakes will, you know, other species of animals will share dens. You know, that's another interesting fact. But wow. yeah snakes will tend to go back to their homes if that home is on your property don't necessarily kill it or have it killed i mean you can still remove it and that snake can still thrive in a different location but leave that to a professional yeah. to take care of you know for you That's so yeah it's not necessarily a myth you know 
Snake okay. could have been wandering and found itself on your property. It's never been on your property before. You know, it was just part of that circle and something made it veer off that circle and ended up on your property. Food, whatever the case, you know. Right. So it can be moved, you know, within a mile and never end up back on your property again. It was just certain situations, you know, that made it end up on your property, you know. Yeah. And a mile is pretty far if you have no arms and no legs. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I want to think anyways. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty far away. So, well, we're about an hour 15 in, Ryan. I, I did want to also um, have you share. I know you have snakes. And before we end it, I don't know if you wanted to share a couple snakes with oh, us sure. on the podcast, yeah. but please be careful if you're handling them. <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I treat everything with safety around here. I don't, I don't try to take any unnecessary risks, you know. There we but go. Yeah. So I do have a couple different of the the native species you might find around here. And let me know if you can't hear me because I'm going to stand up a little bit away from the mic. I don't know. You got but, it. You got it. But yeah, one second. Air Blair was just saying, is it true or a myth that roadrunners and king snakes eat rattlesnakes? That is definitely true. So there are multiple species of uh, snakes that will actually eat all snakes. They will any snake that comes in their path, like the king snake. That's why it's named the king snake. You know, it will eat not only rattlesnakes, but any snake that comes in its path. It's pretty, pretty interesting as well. They're uh, immune to rattlesnake venom. So Whoa. they won't constrict it. They're just a lot faster than that rattlesnake. So they'll bite it and start eating it whole right away. And that's holy crap. As some people have come across that out in the wild and it's pretty interesting to see, to be honest, might have to uh, see if we can get some king snakes out there at Greer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I actually have people that try to tell me I'll pay you to catch king snakes and release them on my property. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know I can't do that, but <laughs> right. you know, good idea. But, you know, <laughs> So for the folks that are watching this uh, on this live stream, Ryan has some species of rattlesnakes there. He's got his tongs there, the professional style. Yeah, so these right here are my snake tongs. Wow. <laughs> I don't suggest anybody using something this short. This is just something I'm comfortable with. And, you know, I I, I deal with these things on a daily basis. So I, yeah, I don't Girl. suggest anybody going about that, you know. Bro, I was going to say, mine's like 12 feet long, the one that I bought the extra long 12-footer from Amazon. <laughs> and I don't even use it. <laughs> Scouts Out is out here. He says, he says that's cool. Yeah, guys, if we're getting a chance to look at some of these, some of these uh, snakes that Ryan has here. Okay, so one second. So the first one I'm going to show you is a speckled rattlesnake. And this is another one that is found around your area as well. I've, I've removed a couple of them around, you know, your area out in Marietta. Wow. Now, are these are the shy ones that can get really big? Uh, no, those are the red diamonds that get really big. I mean, gotcha. These okay. ones are very docile as well. You'll hear them, though. Oh, <laughs> dang. So, yeah. folks, this is the speckled rattlesnake. I just heard the hiss. And you hear his rattle. Oh, is that the rattle? Yeah. That sound just makes you want to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely something that I hear and it never gets old. Trust me. It gets my heart going every time. Holy cow, Ryan. Yeah. All right. Blair, if you're watching still, 
Um, hope yeah. Adam Mox says that gives me shivers. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm like hiding behind my microphone right now. What? Oh boy. Okay. So this is a speckled rattlesnake. I don't know Whoa. how well you'll be able to see it or not. Yeah, we can see it. Speckled, yeah. speckled because of its patterns on its body. Oh, geez, Ryan. It's okay. I'm far well, you know, with my distance. Okay, look at yeah, that, everybody. So they have like a, there you go. They have like a, a granite type pattern going on on their on their scales. Oh yeah, I see that for sure. Yeah. They call these guys the the king of camouflage because these guys will blend in on you know all those rock formations that you're seeing those rock piles. Totally. They'll blend in. You won't be able to see that thing at all. You know. Oh, that could and be. Inter- each Oof. snake will actually. Uh, the color phases will determine, you know, where they're where they're actually from. So, like the the red diamond rattlesnake, that's more of the the reddish clay like, you know, ground that you might come across, and or red rocks or something around the, you know, that type of. So that one was a, a like a gray color, you know. Yeah, so, it looks just like the rock gardens at Greer. That light yeah. rock color. Mm-hmm. And- so this is the same. Okay. Same style or same kind of rattlesnake, but a different color face. Whoa. Yeah, he's got more of like a a reddish color to him. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. He's they look really so pretty. docile. They're just kind of chilling. Yeah, and, and for the most part, that's what, I mean, these snakes are because they've been, you know, in my care. <laughs> but, you know, speckled rattlesnakes and the red diamond rattlesnake, they're actually more docile than the southern pacific wow look at that look at mm-hmm. that i see joey in the in behind uh backstage leaning way, way back <laughs> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> that, that is a cool shot wow yeah. so that's your speckled rattlesnake okay so those are both speckled rattlesnakes yeah i, I see air blair with the eyeballs there <laughs> so that's the the debbie with the cat probably the, the more rare you know of, of a species that you might come across okay so those are harder to find then, huh? Yes, definitely. Just because they're so camouflage? Yes. Ooh, what, what is that? What's making, that oh, <laughs> that's the speckled. That's, that's, that's the rattle. Oh, yeah. That's the rattle, all right. Ooh. Uncaged MTB says, my feet are off the ground right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, mine too, bro. <laughs> so this one, these are the Southern Pacifics. Okay, this this is the one with the two venoms in them. This is the style that was behind, well, it was in our backyard. Yeah. And uh, these are the most common we'd see out here, you'd think, Ryan? Yes, these are probably the most popular that you'll come across for sure. Southern Pacific. Holy crap. Timothy Hayes. Guys, I I have to use my tongs for these ones. These ones are a little bit more snappy and... Dude, you had me at Snappy. I'm freaking now. <laughs> okay, Southern Pacific. Here we go. Joe, you want to give him a full screen on that? Whoa, dude. Oh, he yep. is Snappy. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Holy, that's a big one. Yeah, he's good. got a good size to him. Wow. I see him arching it back like that. That's that, like, that one-third body strike striking oh, yeah. thing okay there you go oh wow what a shot that is 
Yeah, so you see the brown, like, the brownish and the diamond pattern you got on them? Yes. Hold on, let me get them in a more comfortable position. Yeah. No, do what you got to do there. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, the show just got crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so the Southern, grab, Southern yeah, Pacific. So that was one. I have another one that's in here. This one's a, they'll come in a little bit different colors you know it, it's what's another amazing thing about them to me is the location will determine the color phase that they are really so that one is one that came actually from your neighborhood wow wow that kind of like a little greenish huh yeah it's got a green tint to it kind of that is then, insane yeah emtv said the same rattle. thing Wow. So yeah, rattles. Did that? Does that tell us how old? That's this? actually another myth that people that have been told. Is you know each year or each rattle represents a year. Well, not necessarily. I mean, a rattle is really every time they shed their skin, they gain a new rattle. So some Whoa. snakes can be eating a lot more than others. You know, okay. so that means they're going to be shedding their skin. A lot more and so if they're eating very good what does that say oh Debbie <laughs> says the show just got more intense than an animal planet show <laughs> no kidding Debbie I hear you well, that's cool that is cool <laughs> but Ooh. yeah so I mean some snakes can live in a well populated area full of uh you know rodents and are eating very well and actually will shed their skin more often than others you know mm. Okay. So it can have more rattles than others and actually shed up to maybe three times a year. So now that just added, you know, onto that whole every year is or every rattle is a year, you know. Yeah. So it, it's, it's true. It's a better way to have an idea of how old they are, you know, not necessarily exact, you know, in captivity. They're actually and would people have them as pets? I know not not too many people understand why, but. You know they're eating weekly once a week you know all the time and they're getting healthy and they're getting fat they're actually you know they'll uh shed their skin maybe three four times a year so wow. you know compared to the one out in the wild their rattles i've seen them actually i have one right here wait a rattle or a snake a rattle okay <laughs> this is a rattle from okay. a speckled rattlesnake Wow. And that's an old snake right there. Wow. You know, and as you can see, I don't know if you can see or not. Yeah. But on the end, it's actually had rattles that have been broken off. Wow. So this rattle was probably in the end, you know, maybe that much longer. You know, I don't know. Sorry. It was yeah. probably that much longer and it just Dang. broke off right there. Dang. That's a nice, healthy rattle right there. That's from a speckled rattlesnake. That was my pet that actually, it was an old snake and it, had complications when I when I you know tried rescuing her, so I I kind of held on to her and gave her a good ending to her life. You know that way it wasn't as rough. I had somebody that tried killing her when I got a call and I got her and tried to rehabilitate her and you know, but yeah. So I got her rattle as kind of a memorabilia and be able to show people, you know. Yeah, rattle, they're really made out of like like your fingernail like what your fingernails are made out of that's exactly what they're made out of no way little segments that will kind of lock in onto each other and they're able to vibrate it fast enough to 
you know, make that rattle noise. And that's all you're hearing is, you know, it's actually not really a part of, it's not like skin. You know what I mean? It's like that, yeah, like a yeah. fingernail, like I was saying, and it's pretty crazy to be honest. That is, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Drop in and says, oh man, I'm having PTSD feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, this has been great. Very educational. Um, what I, what I love about what you had taught us is that snakes aren't out to get us. They definitely have a very important role in our ecosystem. And, you know, they're kind of like the landlords when we're out there on the trails riding. And when we're out there, they're not really trying to chase after us. They don't want anything to do with us. They even have their own little bell, that rattle to kind of warn us that uh, they're around and they just want to be left alone, which is great. Air Blair says, raise your hand if you'll be looking under your bed tonight before you go into <laughs> bed also. <laughs> and you know, I mean, so that's why I kind of have mixed feelings about showing the rattlesnakes, but I'd like to show them so people have an idea of what they might see. But it also scares the crap out of people. I don't mean to do that. I, I don't at all. I'm not one to try to show off, hey, look at my snakes either. You know, that's that's not me. But at the same time, I want you to see what you might come across. And, you know, I... I should have did a little, little like trivia, like what type of snake is this after what yeah, I told yeah. you, you know, but yeah, I'm sure you guys got a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that helps. There's, there's, so there's three in the area that if we do encounter or have a bad encounter with, we could at least tell the folks at the hospital, well, it's either a speckled rattlesnake. It was either a Southern Pacific or the third one was the red diamond. There you go. Good yeah. job. Nice. Yeah, baby. Mm -hmm. so uh emtb arod has a question here upon closing he says is there anything protective we can keep on us when we're out there um protective wear or protect i mean i there's no you can't really carry an anti-venom on you you know, a lot of people ask me, do you carry anti-venom on you when you're out oh, doing this right. stuff? Or? That was actually a question from um, empty, uh, from Frankie. Send it Frankie. So, yeah. So can you so, get that over the counter? No. No, and you can't get it over the counter necessarily. I mean, I know that there are snake handlers out there and venomous snake keepers that will have that on hand. But there's not – you can't really just walk around with anti-venom on you and have it work necessarily. It's – has to be, you know, refrigerated the whole time. It has to be, you know, kept in a vicinity that's that's uh, uh, sterile. You know, it's and they don't. That's really expensive stuff. Not too many people can just go spend five, six grand on a little vial of antivenom. Which oh. you, most most times when you get bit, you're gonna need sometimes up to like ten vials of antivenom. Which is another thing, very expensive to get bit by a rattlesnake. Yeah, very expensive. I mean, have that, have that insurance plan up to date. Yeah. <laughs> they say the average bite can go anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars to three to five thousand dollars. Wow. Five hundred thousand dollars. I'm sorry. Yeah. Holy crap. A hundred thousand yeah. up to five hundred thousand just on vials uh, for a majority of it, I'm sure. And uh, anything well, else that comes along with it. Yeah. Your airplane or not airplane, your uh, helicopter flight, your ambulance flight, your, you know, the medication otherwise like the pain meds your stay at the hospital it all racks up a pretty hefty bill dang you know it's it's nothing to to take lightly that's for sure yeah and it says basically when you were saying most bites come from people 
that they're not really asking for it, but they're not staying away from it. They're not respecting the snake. They're not doing what we do when we see one on the trail, we stop or try to go around it. These folks are getting close to it, you know, not heeding the warnings. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. Most, most of the time it's people that are going out of their way to, to mess with the rattlesnake, poke it with a stick and get close to it not give it, respect this thing and give it its distance and, you know, just kind of wait for it to do its thing and go off. And if not, go around it or go back the other way, you know, mm-hmm. and just show respect and, and appreciate the animal for what it is. And, you know, from a safe distance and let it go on its way and you'll, you'll be all right. I mean, really nothing right. to worry about. That's great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for all of you who are in the audience uh, watching the live stream or listening in on iTunes or on uh, Apple Podcasts in the future, hope this was helpful for you. Ryan, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Oh, let me also add, if you're in the Murrieta, San Diego, Orange County, Riverside area, um, and you want to reach out to Ryan for, he also does snake fencing. And if oh, he yes. can't help you out, he might, he would know somebody in the area, but uh, he also has that as a service that he does. And if you're in the area and you have a snake in your yard and you want somebody to come take him out, uh, Ryan will come and get the snake and he will actually do it free of charge. You can tip him, you know, what you feel was important for him to do the service, but uh, it's all free of charge. He just really cares about these beautiful creatures that still scare me, but not as bad anymore. This has been very that's good, good. Ryan. That's, that's all that all I'm trying to do out there, you know. And I really do appreciate you, you know, inviting me onto your podcast and giving me a chance to kind of spread the knowledge and, you know, answer these questions. And it's it's something I truly, it's you know, it's my passion, and I really do appreciate you having me, you know, come on here and be able to spread that my love for rattlesnakes, you know. Awesome, man. I love it. I love when I meet people that are passionate about what they do. And uh, thank you for everything that you do for all of us and uh, and for those things as well. All right, everybody, we are going to end this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you out there on the trails or on the next podcast. You guys all have a great night. Remember, call, don't kill. (laughs) Call, don't don't kill. Call, don't kill. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks, Ryan. All right, take care. Holy cow, Senders, that was a crazy one. When Ryan started breaking out the rattlesnakes, literally, I was hiding behind the screen. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope that the information here was able to give you a little glimpse into the rattlesnakes and how they are so important to our homeostasis, our dynamics, our our environment, and how much they actually serve us versus scare us and of course it's okay if they do scare us but it's great to see that they play such a pivotal important role for us out there on the trails on and off the bike if you guys want to get a hold of ryan from ryan's rattlesnake rescue take a look at his contact information here in the description box you can contact him via the phone as well as find him on facebook and instagram hope this mess hope this uh, whole podcast served you well if you if you did like it give it a like and subscribe also if you get a chance a review would be huge reviews actually help promote this podcast out to other mountain bikers in our area and beyond so i would be greatly appreciative if you had a chance to do that remember folks whatever you're doing out there find the passion in it work hard at it because as you all know 
all your hard work will always pay off. See you guys on the next episode.